Well, good morning, and welcome to Journey Church. Uh, my name is Randy. If you're a guest, it's super to have you with us today. And we are in this series, as Tony mentioned a few moments ago, entitled I Am. It is a study through the book of Ephesians, which we will uh, get to directly here. But we've been talking about our identity. Who are we? And we ask about who do we think we are? Who does God think that we are? We covered some of those topics. And today we're going to be talking about the, the title of our message is I Am Appreciated. I am appreciated, which we all need to know, right? Now, let me ask you this. Do you feel appreciated in your life? Where you are right now, do you feel appreciated? Let's say uh, you are uh, uh, at home. Do you feel appreciated at home? Do you feel appreciated in your marriage? Do you feel appreciated in your job? Do you feel like your kids appreciate you? Maybe where you volunteer, do you feel appreciated? Philosopher William James said, the deepest craving of human nature is the need to be appreciated. You know, marriage counselors tell us that one of the major issues that lead couples to divorce, especially when it's initiated by a woman, is that they don't feel appreciated by their husband. They're not a partner in the relationship. And you know, um, it's even led to a, a term, you know, a, a title, which is uh, Appreciation Deficiency Disorder. Maybe you feel that. Maybe you feel like Rodney Dangerfield, that you never get any respect, never get any appreciation anywhere in your life at all. Maybe you identify with that. What you do for your spouse, your children, your friends, your boss, your employees, can I get a witness, all right? <laughs> wow, I think we all feel that a little bit. And I'm going to tell you, when that happens, we, don't, we, we hurt, don't we? It hurts a lot. You know, I remember times in, in ministry when I and the whole church have surrounded people who are in need many times. What I love about the church is when a need comes, the church falls in and the need gathers, the church gathers around. But I can think of a lot of times when the church has been there for people and I felt like we got, went above and beyond to minister and serve and given the time of need. And then when it's all over and the crisis is passed, they disappear. And you're just left like, whoa, you know. We were invested, and we you know, committed, and we sacrificed, and, and they were there, you know, and now they're gone. And that hurts, doesn't it? Or maybe it's in your family. Maybe you are that person. You know what I've noticed in families? There's always one person that everybody else takes advantage of, isn't there? There's always that person. They're the ones that's responsible. If it's aging parents, they're the ones that get, kind of get stuck taking care of them. Everybody else just kind of lets them. That's just how it is. Maybe you're at a time in life where your family is taking advantage of you. Maybe you're in a place where at work, you know, you're the one everybody dumps stuff on. You're the one everybody leaves when they all go home and you're left finishing up. Maybe there's a culture of, uh, of entitlement or ingratitude that you're a part of, and there's expectation, or maybe criticism comes on you. You know you don't deserve it, but you take it, and it seems that nobody appreciates you. And I want to tell you, it does hurt when that happens in life. It's easy for us to grow bitter. It's easy for us to get frustrated, to get angry, self-righteous, judgmental, or just grumble. And you know what? That is the cycle that our world is stuck in, isn't it? It really is. Our world seems to be becoming more rude, more critical, more complaining, you know, and demanding all over the place, which in turn makes everybody else more rude, more critical, more demanding, right? If you don't believe me, ask the people who are in the service field. Ask the people who are serving other people. Or take a few moments, jump on Facebook and read Voices of Versailles if you want to hear people gripe and complain, right? 
You know, it's just out there everywhere in our world all around us. Several years ago, one of our presidents said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you could do for your country. And you know what? We don't hear that anymore, do we? We don't hear about responsibility over rights. Now it's everybody demanding, I want my rights. I have a right to do this and a right to do that. And what about me? And nobody thinks about other people much. Showing gratitude and respect and appreciation are kind of a thing of the past. Well, last week, Eric preached and talked about how that we are blessed. The title of the message was, I am blessed, the blessings that we have in Christ, what Christ has done for us and how we ought to be grateful to him. But I want to turn that around a little bit today as we study a little bit further in Ephesians. And we're going to talk about how we are appreciated by God. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. And I have to be honest with you, I'm not sure I've ever looked at it in this perspective. We, we know that we stand in such a small stature compared to God. But what does God think about you? Does God appreciate you when maybe nobody else does? I want to suggest that he does. Let's read together Ephesians chapter 1. I think it's verse 15 here. Let's begin. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, remember that this letter was written to the church at Ephesus by the Apostle Paul, and, uh, and he is just pouring out his heart to these people that he loves. And Paul says, I give thanks to God for you. I give thanks for you. Now, you know, this is not just Paul, even though I'm sure Paul was grateful for these people and appreciated them. It was also God's word as well. Remember, the Bible is not just a collection of men's writings and what they thought about people, but it's also the word of God coming down through us, God's word through human beings. So you do, do you realize that God knows specifically about your life and that God knows what you do and he is thankful for your obedience, your service, your generosity, and your sacrifice. So here's what I want you to know today. You are appreciated. You are appreciated. We all long for that. We already said that that's one of the deepest needs that people have. But here's the problem. When we look to people for appreciation, we're going to be disappointed and let down. People will do that to us on a regular basis. I'm confident I've done that to you at times. That you've done things and you felt like if Randy would just say a word, it would, it would mean a lot. And I probably let you down in many ways on that. Because people do. I'm human like everybody else. But here's the thing. God sees all and God knows everything. You know, one of the major traits that we know about God is God's omniscience. Now, that is a big word that we, I don't use every day. But what it means is that God knows everything and God sees everything. That God is aware of everything. And typically, when you hear that priest, you're like, oh, God, he knows all I do that's wrong, right? He knows everything I say and do and think that's wrong. Even the darkest of night, nobody else knows. God knows, and it's kind of like a heavy burden to lay on us that you can't ever do anything without God knowing. But here's the other side of that. God also sees the good in your life. God also sees your faithfulness. God knows what you're doing. When you serve in a dark area that nobody else ever sees, nobody ever acknowledges, nobody ever appreciates, guess what? God sees that. And God knows your heart for doing it. When you're doing the smallest of things that you, you say, well, nobody cares. God cares about that. For leaders, whenever you're leading and your group never rises up and says, oh, great, you know, leader, you're so wise. You know, they never do that in my group anyway. You know, um, but when that, when that doesn't happen, God knows the time you pour into your lesson and the heart you have and how you pray for the people in your group. And whenever you give something in, 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 
you know, in private and nobody knows about that, God knows that. He sees your act of giving generously. He sees your act of kindness. And while other people, maybe if they do know, they may not even show appreciation for that, God does. He appreciates that. And that's why several times in the scripture we see where the writer oftentimes, Paul, saying, I give thanks for you, not just Paul, but God as well. God as well. In fact, God is the only one who really knows all that we do, both good and bad. So it's kind of encouraging a little bit here to see through Paul that God is saying, hey, I want to thank you for loving Jesus. I want to thank you for loving my people, the church. Thank you. So here you go today. If you love Jesus and you love his church, here's a word for you. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. You know, God says, I, I, I know about you and I care about you. And I want to thank you for showing up. I want to thank you for showing up today. Not for me. I'm, I'm grateful, but God is too. He really knows and he sees and he cares about all those things. And I want to thank some of you for being early and greeting and fellowshipping with other people and making it a habit to say, this is important to be here early and say, hey. You know, last week, it was very interesting. I went to a church last weekend uh, and, uh, and that church had one of the worst habits I've ever seen. i got to be honest with you. I try not to be critical of other churches at all. We're all trying to get there and figure it out. This is a young church, but, but in, in their uh, information, it said they started at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. So we got there a little early, about five minutes till 10. At 10.10, they started the countdown. At 10.15, they started the service. And, I, you know, that just kind of went through me because I'm one of those people, I like to see things happen, you know, and the time is supposed to happen and get in and get out. And, and so it just kind of went through me, and I, and I told, uh, it was my, my, one of my daughters, and, and I told her, I said, man, that, that, they need to fix that really bad because that is a horrible habit to get into. Now, I share that because uh, some of us have got kind of a ha bad habit about that as well. You know, it, it's a little bit discouraging sometimes uh, when, when we wander in a little bit late. I, I don't want to... I don't want to chide you, but I want to encourage you a little bit here, all right? Because I saw that up, uh, you know, right up playing, because I'm thinking, I'm, I'm here 20 minutes early, and this church didn't start. You know, we're going to try to start on time. We're going to try to end on time. We'd love to have you guys to be here, and in fact, be here early. Be here early. I want to encourage you to do that, to greet one another, to fellowship. When the, when the guests come in, let's be there at the door. I mean, that is where we need to be encouraging those people to show up. But for all you do, for showing up, especially for showing up early, but for serving, for giving, committing, sharing, caring. God says, thank you, because I see that. I see what you do as well as what you don't do. That's encouraging to me. That might change your life. That word right there might change your life going forward as you think about how God might view you. And you know what? We need to be more like Paul as well. Because it's not just from God, this is also from Paul too, being thankful and communicating thanks from God and from the church family to those who serve faithfully. That's important, isn't it? You know, I, I've seen people who grew discouraged serving and quit doing so and maybe even leave the church, get disillusioned about Christianity because nobody ever thanked them or helped them out. I remember several years ago, this, this guy, and he had a servant's heart. Not everybody has the gift of servanthood, I understand that, but this guy did, and he was in a project that was really important to him, and he really wanted some help, and he showed up, and nobody showed up to help him, and nobody ever mentioned why they didn't, and it was so disillusioning. I remember talking to him. He was just so down, and I said, look, you know, I've, I've been there. Believe me, I've been there myself at times, but here's the thing you got to remember. you got to remember who you do it for. You don't do it for people. You don't, if you're the only one doing it, you're doing it for God, just keep on doing it because God's going to bless you in that. 
Don't get discouraged about that. Now, while we need to remember who we do it for, it's also nice to hear some thanks sometime, isn't it? It's nice to know that there are people who, who recognize when, when you serve, right? Because here's the thing. Events do not get planned by themselves. This past Wednesday night, we had an incredible connection event. If you weren't here, you missed it. A lot of good chili, a lot of good fellowship, a lot of good uh, just sharing. It was awesome. It was great. But you know what? Our deacon stepped up and said, we need to have more fellowship. So we're going to plan that. They did all the planning, took all that load off of uh, the staff. It was an awesome evening, and people got to know each other and share together. But stuff like that doesn't happen by itself. It doesn't happen by itself. Somebody has to do that, and, and we don't always think about that. Our services, we all come in, and we sit down, and it's great. But you know what? It, it doesn't happen by accident. If you're in second service, you know that every chair in this room ends up against the wall at the end of the day today or at the end of the service. And then somebody has to come in here every week and set these chairs up. It doesn't happen by accident. The, the service, the planning, everything that happens, uh, the children are not taking care of themselves. Praise the Lord back there. They probably, you know, you don't just dump your kid in the back room and go, good luck, we'll see you in an hour. You know, they, we, got, we got people that care about those kids that have prepared themselves and are serving back there, taking care of them. The groups that we have in our church, they're not led by everybody. There are people who spend hours preparing for a group. And then when the folks come in, they lead them, and it looks like there was no effort at all. The grounds that we have in our building, they don't care for themselves. They don't mulch. The grass doesn't mow itself. The mulch doesn't spread itself. You know, you know all these things. But how often do we say, you know what? We need to thank the people that do that. Amen. Maybe find out who those people are and say, hey, I thank God for you because you care about what you're doing. So here's my, here's my suggestion. Because most of the workers in our church are volunteers, we'd love to have you volunteer. But I'll ask you, where do you serve? Where do you give? And do you ever thank those people who do? And if we don't, let's make sure that we understand that people are a blessing to us, a gift from God, and let's thank them. That's what Paul's doing, because everybody needs encouragement in life. Now, unfortunately, despite our best intentions to do so, we may never get it from one another. We may never really get the appreciation that we need to hear. So you need to know that Jesus appreciates you. He appreciates what you do. Now, some of you who are naturally skeptical are sitting there thinking, you know what? You're talking like that maybe God needs us, that we're a little bit too important in our own mind about what we do for God. And I want to say, we need to stay humble. Whatever God wants done, he will get done, even if you and I never show up, all right? But understand, we get privileged to be a part of that. And the danger, you know, being proud, that's always, that's always possible. We be humble, but know that we are loved and appreciated by Jesus. That can change our lives. And it can change our motives, and it can change our attitudes whenever uh, circumstances come up that we feel a little bit just unappreciated. So let's talk today a little bit. How, how can feeling appreciated change our lives? What's the difference? And what is Paul, what's the point that Paul has here? We've got three points that we're going to jump into. Number one, appreciated people stop grumbling and start praying. Appreciated people stop grumbling and start praying. You know, I don't know about you, but when I feel underappreciated, you know what I do? I start complaining. I start grumbling about that because I, I'm hurt a little bit, and I think that people should notice me. I start complaining about what I've done for people and how they don't appreciate it and how, in fact, not only they not appreciate it, they have kicked me in the teeth about that, and I'm hurt. My feelings are hurt. 
Have you ever been around somebody who, who just gripes about everything in life? Ever been around those people, you know, it's my boss is the worst boss ever. My kids never appreciate anything I do. My spouse, they never recognize that. My parents, everything, it's everybody else in life. And you know, one day I figured something else about this. Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's not everybody else in life. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Really, I'm serious. You know, maybe it's me when I, when I start to see that it's my problem and not everybody else's because that can be who I am. Grumbling is when you talk about people to other people. The contrast, the opposite is prayer is when you talk to Jesus about people. And maybe it's what you need to be doing instead of grumbling about them to other people, talk to Jesus about them. He's the only one that can really change them anyway, right? And Paul says, hey, I'm remembering you in my prayers. I'm thinking about you. So when he prayed, he wasn't just grumbling about people, not even to God. He was praying for those folks. Now you have to ask, did Paul have any unappreciated people in his life? You better believe he did. He had a lot of people that didn't recognize him at all. In fact, there were times the whole city would turn out to hear him and not to show their appreciation or applaud. They picked up rocks and stoned him. How's that for appreciation? That's a poor way to show appreciation, isn't it? There were also times that Paul talked about his own followers. A man named Demas abandoned him. And there were another time when he said, only Luke is here with me. Everybody else is gone. Even his Christian friends were gone. Paul had a lot to complain about. While he was writing this, at the time he, he wrote this letter, he was in prison. Not for a crime, but for preaching Jesus. You ever get made fun of for talking about Jesus? Yeah, that's the appreciation you get for trying to help somebody see Jesus, is, is they criticize you and, and make fun of you. You know, uh, I, I've seen the kind of jails that they put people in back then. Um, I think up on the screen, we got a picture here. Uh, this, is, this is the jail. Last year, I got a chance to go to Greece, to go to Philippi, and uh, that's the place where Paul wrote the letter of Philippians to the church there. But this is a picture of the jail there in Philippi, if you read in the book of Acts, where Paul and Silas were in jail and they were singing songs, and God opened the gates and, uh, you know, broke down the, the jail. That's the jail right there, supposedly, that, that they were in. That's kind of like a root cellar. It, it, you know, it would be a cold, dark, wet, miserable place to be. So if anybody could feel unappreciated, even by God, potentially, it might be Paul at the moment, sitting in a jail cell, you know, uh, not being having his own freedom, being miserable. You know, that's, that's not a lot of appreciation being shown. Also, Paul didn't have a job. He didn't have steady income. He didn't have a wife or family to go home to at the end of the day. He had to walk everywhere he went. He'd been beaten many times. He had been shipwrecked. He had been homeless. We talked about the life he lived. Now, you look at all those things, and it makes your problems look pretty small, doesn't it? And it makes your complaints that we have seem pretty insignificant. But you know what? In spite of all these things, Paul is not complaining. In fact, Paul is praying. And he's not praying for himself. This is what amazing. Because you and I, we'd be praying all right, but it would be, God, get me out of here. You know, send me free. You know, give me some friends and give me comfort. Give me food. Give me freedom. He doesn't pray for himself. He's praying for others. You know, I don't want to berate this, uh, belabor this point, but you may not recognize this, but I can tell you that some of you, your identity is probably that you are a complainer and griper. you got difficulties in life, sure, we all do, but even if you didn't, it wouldn't matter because that's maybe your nature. And I want to tell you in love, because I can do that publicly and it's not personal, 
that, that, that repels people. And if you wonder why friends don't hang around a while, it may be because you're a complainer all the time and they get tired of hearing that. But it also offends God because he's done so much for you. So what is the key to overcoming this, uh, this problem of, of complaining and grumbling? The key is to know that Jesus suffered for you. He died for you. He has blessed you. He loves you. And anything that you do in your, in your obedience to him, God sees. He appreciates that and he is thankful. And I think if you understand that, really understand that, it can change your life. It can change your attitude. It can change your words. It can change your whole persona. It gives you the freedom to stop complaining and start praying for other people. Here's the second thing, I think. Appreciated people stop competing with others and they start celebrating others. You stop competing and you start celebrating. When you feel underappreciated, you're looking for all the glory and all the recognition to come to you. You're just like a, you're just desperate to hear that. That's what you're longing for. That's where you get your affirmation at. And so you have to compete with other people. And that happens in school, it happens at work, it happens at home and family, sibling rivalry, jealousy. Heck, it even happens in ministry, it doesn't, in the church. We know in every scenario that listed that people jockey for power, so they can be critical of other people, and even set out to destroy other people. But here's the thing, when your identity is in Christ, and you are confident of his love and his grace for you, you start thinking about sharing Christ, not competing with Christ or with other people for Christ. Here's what Paul says. Let's pick it up in verse 17. Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in this holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you get what he's saying there? Paul says, I, am, I want God to give you this. I'm not trying to hoard this like I've got to have all of God's power. I want you to experience it as well. You know, it's kind of interesting that the Christian life is compared to a race. And so you might think, okay, in a race, there's one winner. And if you're competitive, like a lot of you are, you're going to try to be the winner. And you're not going to worry about everybody else. But here's the thing. In the Christian race, we do not compete with one another. There is a prize for everyone who finishes the race successfully. And the prize is equal. You know, we all get the prize. It's not like one, the winner, the first one in, makes it. So Paul is saying, uh, I'm going to pray for victory for every one of you. He wants every one of us to continue to remember and appreciate what Christ has done for us. He wants us to remember and pray that the Father would give us wisdom and revelation and increased knowledge. So he prays a prayer of blessing of knowledge and deeper experience of Jesus. Now, how do we experience that? How do we experience this, uh, this deeper experience of Jesus? It's through his Holy Spirit. You know, we sang earlier about the Holy Spirit and God's presence in our life to, to come into our life in deeper ways. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to take the life of Jesus, to put that life in us, and then to give us power to live a new life through Christ. There's no competition in that. There's no, we don't have to be jealous of other people who may be in the race, and even if they're you know, running a little bit ahead of us, maybe they're a little more gifted in certain areas, or they're on fire for the Lord. We shouldn't be com competitive or jealous of those people. Here's the reason why. There's plenty of Holy Spirit out there for everybody. 
right? Plenty of Holy Spirit. I, you know, we got, we got billions of people in our world. Even if someday, I don't know, even if someday we had trillions of people, they're never going to run out of the Holy Spirit, all right? And that's the beautiful thing. Jesus said, I got to go away. And when I go, the Spirit will come because the Spirit can be everywhere all the time with everybody. So never, ever think competitively about people in the church. Never be envious of people who, who, who may be excelling in some area or maybe they're growing faster than you are, you know. Just get, get it together and start, you know, running the race a little bit harder. It's an incredible picture there. No competition. We ought to be open to be continually filled ourselves and encourage and pray for other people to experience Him as well. We should celebrate, not compare. Then thirdly, appreciated people put Jesus in his rightful place. They put him where he's supposed to be, if you really understand appreciation. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you are a boss and your employees do well, you ought to compliment them. You ought to compliment them. You ought to tell them you appreciate them. I, I know of a boss who, who says, you know what, I don't, I don't compliment my employees because I pay them. That's what pay is. Pay is their affirmation. Uh, we all want to get paid, right? But in, there's something else that, that helps, and that is showing appreciation. And when you appreciate somebody, sometimes that's a greater incentive than even a, a raise, a promotion. It's just saying, hey, you're doing a great job. I appreciate you. What you do really matters. And I think when we do that, and we understand, then we start getting perspective. So when God says to us, you know what, hey, I appreciate you, thank you, what that should do is, is, is make us say, you know what, I need to do more. And I need to put Jesus right where he belongs in the most important place in my life. Let's pick it up in verse 20, Ephesians 1.20. God raised Christ from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You know what? It's, it's very easy for us to become bitter when we're neglected by people. But when we understand what Jesus has done for us, we become thankful. And we want to respond positively to his love. And we want him to have a greater place. I, I like what John the Baptist said. He said, I must decrease and he must increase. When you really understand what God thinks of you and how he values you and your faithfulness, you start saying, I want to put him higher. I want to put him in a better place in my life. As we mature in Christ, we put him on the throne and we get off the throne. And we live for his name and for the cause of Christ. Now, all of this sounds really noble, right? It all sounds great in theory, but how do we actually do it? How do we actually do it? And that brings us back to what I think is maybe the definition of the scripture or what, what this really is. It all brings us back to prayer. Because do you notice in the scripture that Paul is basically praying? I am thanking God for you. I am asking that God would, would do this for you. This is a prayer of the apostle Paul. We don't always recognize that, but he, he's praying in the text and praying for us. And I think that's about the, that's the secret. Because almost half of this entire book of Ephesians, as we'll go through it, is prayer. It is Paul praying for the people of Ephesus to encourage them and asking God to bless them. So we've been talking about finding our identity not in things, not in money, not in people, but in finding our identity in Christ. And really, I think most of us finding our identity in Christ comes from prayer itself, where we earnestly seek God's will for our lives. 
Because I don't care what you do for him, part of your ministry is always going to be praying, a big part of it. You know, every morning uh, about 9 o'clock, we have a group of folks that come to do our first impressions team. We've got some awesome leaders that, that lead. And every Sunday morning about 9, I see them out there, and you know what they're doing? They're gathering them around, they're encouraging them, but they always conclude that with prayer. Because that's part of the ministry. It's not just, hey, how are you? Welcome. It's praying for them as well. And the prayer is for, for what happens in this room, but it's also for the people who, even while they are praying, are probably still getting ready to come. And maybe some of them even deciding, are we going to show up today? And there are people who are praying for them. Prayer is a huge part of what you do. If you work in the, 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 the baby area, holding babies, that's an incredible thing. By the way, I think they could use some help back there a lot. But, but a lot of that's prayers. Not just holding babies. It's praying for these babies and, and who and what they may become and what God may do with their life and the family that they'll be uh, spending most of the, of the rest of the week with. It's prayer. Every part of your ministry is prayer. And so if you don't know what to do with an issue in life, if maybe you're not feeling appreciated at some point, here's the solution. Pray about it. If you've got people in your life that are kind of driving you crazy, pray for them. Pray for them. That's the most important thing you can do. You know, leave them a book or a tape try to listen to doesn't always work right but you can pray for them you can do that if if your spouse is is not responsive if you're struggling the greatest thing you can do is pray for them if your children are unappreciative or rebellious you need to pray for them if your work situation is miserable and your boss never even speaks to you you know what you need to do pray you need to pray for them if your family, extended family, is taking advantage, you need to pray for them. If your friends are struggling, pray for them. The shortest distance between two people is prayer. Prayer is so essential. It's a part of all of our ministry. It changes things, and it changes people. And sometimes, the Bible tells us, it even changes the mind of God, which is mind-boggling to think that God might be convinced or swayed by something that we ask Him to do. Sometimes it changes the mind of God, but usually it changes us, and it brings us into alignment with God's will. We may be praying, God, I want to see you move, and God may be saying, you know what, I want you to move. You're the one moving, not, not necessarily me. I'm going to help you move to where you need to be. It's a beautiful scripture, a beautiful prayer. I want to share one more phrase here, one more phrase of scripture, and that's where Paul says that I'm praying for and I'm lifting up and, and asking you to understand the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Guys, this is why we can celebrate and why we can be thankful because as Christians, we are in line to appreciate and receive a glorious inheritance. An inheritance. Have you ever gotten an inheritance? Have you ever received anything like that? I want to tell you, that's a humbling thing to do. And I want to share with you, uh, just because it's a great experience, last year, Lori and I, we got an inheritance. Now, before you start thinking, oh, that's awesome, you know, most inheritances are not very big, all right? And so this was a very modest inheritance. But, but receiving that was amazing because we got a letter in the mail that says, you're, you're uh, an heir. You're going to receive something. And your heart stops beating. You go, wow, that's exciting, you know? And we start thinking, well, I didn't do anything to deserve that at all. In fact, we were very humbled because we were very undeserving of this. And you start thinking, what could it be? And, and, and you start feeling very, very blessed. And I want you to know that you are, if you're a Christian, you are an heir. And one day, you are going to receive an inheritance. And it's not going to be a modest one. It's going to be a major inheritance. This is going to be a biggie. This is going to be eternity. 
And you want to you think about appreciation. Somebody is going to leave you something because you are in Christ primarily, but also because they appreciate you and who you are. Now, guys, I want to tell you, don't get a big head, all right, because it's nothing you've done. Stay humble, but God's got something great for you. But only if your primary identity is that you are in Christ, in Christ. You know, I, I really want that for every one of us. In fact, I want that for, for everybody that I know in, in our world, in our sphere of understanding. I want you to have that relationship with Jesus so that you can be your heir as well. And if you do already have that commitment with Christ, a relationship, I really want you to be growing. And I want you to be experiencing Jesus more and more and know that you are a precious child to him. I want you to be on your journey. I want you to be able to have a testimony like we've been seeing the last several weeks of people who are moving on their journey with Christ. For one reason or another, something is moving them. You decide and you understand that you can do that because you are loved and you are appreciated. And I want you to know that, that if that's where you are, that now you have to pay it forward. You have to be showing appreciation, helping other people move on their journey as well. Because if God, through the Apostle Paul, can say, hey, I want to thank you. Thank you for loving Jesus. Thank you for loving the church. Then why, why can't we do the same thing? Why can't we do that as well? Why can't we encourage people and spur them on in their faith? So here's the action step. Who do you need to thank? Who do you need to thank and say thank you? I appreciate your friendship, your leadership as a parent, your mentorship, your group leader, your volunteer, your teacher, the person tearing for your kids in the back. Let's try to be a place that shows and echoes the appreciation of God to God's people because he's done so much for us. This morning, if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to encourage you. There's a simple way to respond, and, and that's on your connection card that you should still have there. Just say, I want to talk to ministers. a place to check it, and we'll talk to you this week. If you are a believer, I just want to encourage you and spur you on to good works and appreciation. Let's pray together. Father, God, thank you for the day. God, thank you that we can say humbly, not because we've done anything, but we can humbly say that, God, we are appreciated in your eyes that you do understand us and you know us and you see everything that we do. Father, help us not to, to be afraid of that knowledge and that thought, but to, to glory in it, that when we serve you, even if nobody else ever notices, that God, you see. And Lord, help us to went through our process to not only glorify you more and put Jesus in his rightful place in our lives, but also to encourage and lift others up as we all move on this journey. We love you, Lord. We worship you, and we ask in Christ's name, amen.